Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Houston, Texas. Welcome to the show, Steve Rosenberg. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, great to have you here, Steve. Now, you've come from the different world, a world that I actually know fairly well, because I have a lot of people in aviation in my family as well. And you've made that transition. You're kind of bridging that gap between the world of aviation and the world of real estate investing. Why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Sure. So uh, as you said, I'm an airline pilot. I fly a Boeing 777 for a major international airline. And as I started getting involved in real estate after 9-11, when I got my furlough notice uh, for my safe, secure job, that was not so safe or secure, uh, I started to understand the dynamics between the wild west of real estate with no rules, no regulations until you get in trouble, of course, um, and, and the aviation community, which is very standardized procedures and checklist driven. <clears throat> Over the years, I started understanding that if you could meld the two of those together, and you can actually run your business with policies, procedures, structures, and checklists, you can have a very successful business model. If you can't do that, you have what they call a job that you have to be there and everything revolves around you, which is not the passive income. It's not the lifestyle that we dream of. It becomes something that's more of a albatross or a headache or something that's bringing you down. And so I started off like many people, um, but as I evolved into the real estate industry, I realized that my biggest success was my strengths and my strengths, which are not a lot of, but the one strength I have is understanding systemization, policies, procedures, checklists. And I realized that owning real estate is a business, just like owning a regular business. It's got income expenses. It's got everything. The challenge is most real people in real estate do not understand or treat it like a business, and which is why many people, as we know, fail, unfortunately, because they don't understand that one piece of systematizing their business to run without them. And so being an airline pilot and being involved in that, I've learned that it's sometimes, it's not about you ever. It's always about the end result and the product of what you're trying to create. In the world of aviation, it's not just about having checklists for the routine. It's also having checklists for those exceptions as well. And it's having things almost by rote. You know, when you say attitude, speed, power, trim, that cycle that all pilots go through when you're looking at your instruments, it's a really systematic thing that gets drilled into you. And very few real estate investors have that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. I, I bring up a lot of times when I'm speaking on stages about how we as airline pilots or pilots in general deal with an emergency and how people in business or in real estate deal with emergency. And I'm not trying to belittle anyone's perception of an emergency, but I do international flying. My plane holds about 380 passengers. And if I have an engine catch on fire over the Pacific Ocean and I've got to figure out what to do, that's a much different challenge than somebody having a tenant not pay. I'm not saying it's not a problem, but let's put it into perspective. However, when we are dealing with an emergency, there's four things that pilots do that we deal with emergencies exactly the same way. We take a breath and assess the situation. We identify who's in charge and roles and duties to take care of responsibilities. We identify and we confirm the problem. And the last is we work towards the solution. So if, if people ran their emergencies the same way we do in the cockpit, I'm going to say there'd be a lot less 
challenges and issues down the road. Many people are so busy placing blame and a lack of accountability and being blame, excuse, and denial, as opposed to dealing with their own engine fire, their own emergency. And if they dealt with it, I mean, I'm trained by Boeing for the last 30 years, as well as, well as the airline I work for. I would say that you probably would have a lot less, quote unquote, major catastrophes. And, and one of the differences is we as airline pilots, we train for emergencies. We practice emergencies. We have it set. We don't want them to happen, but we also don't shy away from training for it. And I ask people all the time, do you have an emergency disaster manual in your business? Do you know if there's a, you know, if you're on along the Gulf lines, we just had a hurricane in Florida. Do you have a disaster manual that if there's a named storm in the Gulf, what do you do? Well, if you were prepared, you would pull out that manual and you would run through the checklist and the manual for an emergency. Many people don't have that and they, they hope and pray that it never happens, which we all know is not a, it's not a recipe for success. It's a recipe for failure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oftentimes when you're faced with a situation that has something unexpected, whether it's on the ground or in the cockpit, you can often have conflicting inputs. And you have to try and make sense of that. You might say, well, you know, my fuel tank on the left side is showing that it's low on fuel, but that doesn't make any sense. I'm only halfway there. How do you actually unwind those conflicting inputs? Well, just like a, a, a business, which is real estate, the business, just like the airlines or an airplane, it runs on data and information. It does not run off of gut feelings and emotions, and neither should your business. There is data and information and backup data. And so when you think about this, everybody has a job and everybody has a role in a business. And unfortunately, many times what happens is, is the owner of the business of the real estate, they feel that it's their responsibility and, and rightfully so if they own it and their name is on it, they want to roll up their sleeves, push that person aside and start taking care of the problem. But what they're doing is, is they're training their team members, they're training their employees that I will solve the problem because I'm the hero. I, I bring that up because when you get on an airplane, you don't know me, you've never met me, but you trust me with your life. You don't know if I'm having a good day or a bad day, but you trust me. When you have employees, you interview them, you train them, and either, whether it's an employee or whether it's a contractor or a property management firm or whatever that is, you should interview them. Many people don't, but you should. You should set expectations of what goes right, what goes wrong, and measure it based on metrics and key performance indicators. It's like the scorecard. Mm -hmm. But yet, you don't trust them, but you trust me. Why do you trust me and you don't know me, but you don't trust the own people that you work with? There's an inherent trust with airline pilots because we train because we look at everything based on data and emotions. I don't get in the flight deck one day and say, you know what? I'm kind of feeling like going to Hawaii today. Who, who wants, raise your hand if you want to go to Hawaii or, or maybe London or Tokyo. You know exactly what time we're leaving, what we're doing, because everything is run on data and numbers. So if there is a challenge, what do we have? We have checklists. There are over a thousand checklists in the Boeing 777 aircraft. That means that anytime there's a challenge, we pull out the checklist and we don't even flip a switch until we pull out that checklist. It's ingrained in us, but that's why you feel so safe. You know that if that engine catches on fire over the Pacific Ocean, I mean, you're hoping that it works, but you have faith that I'm going to do the right thing and get that aircraft on the ground because of the training, because it's data and numbers and not emotions. Absolutely. 
loving this conversation. I'm thinking about even our own business and how often situations arise when it actually falls upon someone to do something heroic rather than necessarily having that thought out procedure. Now, sometimes heroics works. It causes the right things to happen as a proxy for not having that checklist. But I think it was Tony Robbins who's famously said, when things are not working in your business, raise your standards. And that means to me, putting systems and process in place. When you get a new manual for the 777 and you've been flying it for years, you've probably got thousands of hours in the aircraft and procedures have changed, checklists have changed. What is that like for you as the pilot to be on the receiving end of that? Do you receive that as something that's, oh, here, yet another change or is this is an improvement? Well, I'd be lying if I said that we embrace all change, right? Nobody likes change because we get comfortable with what we know. That's dangerous though. Getting comfortable with something that's, that's where, you know, fatigue sets in and you see a lot of white noise and static and you just think it's, it's standard. So a lot of times they change things just to make sure that we are up on new, everything's evolving. Everything is changing. As an example, every time that there's an accident or incident or crash, they will investigate that crash. And based on learnings of mistakes that were made, they will take that and they will implement it into new training. So anytime there's a crash, we get some of the information and it'll say, okay, you guys now are not doing this because that didn't work so well for this airline. You guys are now doing it this way. We may have ever had that issue, but we go, you know what? Okay. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. And they may change it again. Six months later, say, you know what? We tried it. It didn't work. That should be the same in business. You should be able to test and measure what's working and more importantly, metric what is not working. And so the airlines are, you know, the airline I've worked for, I'm going to say 75 years they've been in business. They're always changing. It's never going to be perfect, whether it's the sign of the times, whether it's technology, you know, the technology I had when I first started flying in 1992, we'll say is a little different than the technology we have today in 2022. Different stuff. We can, I could not assume to keep doing things the same way we did with paper manuals, paper checklists, different equipment than flying a Boeing 777 today. And so nobody likes change, but change is good. It's good sometimes to mentally challenge you. And it's also good because it gets you thinking, I don't have all the answers. Sometimes not knowing is the best answer for you, at least, at least in my opinion and what we've learned from the airline industry. Now, Personally, I will say sometimes we get revisions and we get changes and we're always made aware of revisions. We have pilot bulletins that come out all the time and, you know, we always discuss these. One of the things that we do, I don't know if people do this in their business, they probably don't, is every time that we do a flight, and you're probably familiar with this, is we do a a pre-flight briefing. We talk to the other pilots, we talk to the flight attendants so that we know, okay, hey, this is where we're going. This is our routing. This is where there's going to be weather. If we have an engine failure on takeoff, this is what we're going to do. If we have a tire blowout, if we have to reject, we go through all scenarios every single time that we fly that plane. How many people in business have some sort of pre-flight briefing in the day to discuss with their team what's happening, even if it's weekly or monthly? They don't. They're reactive. They have a meeting at the end of the month to talk about what went good or what went bad looking back at the month. Why not do it looking forward? Have a little forward thinking of what the plan is for the month coming up or the week or the day. So we've talked a fair bit about aviation, 
yep. let's talk a little bit about your real estate business and what your sure. focus is. Yeah. So uh, I started off with a, uh, I used to own quite a bit of real estate, both single family and multifamily uh, in Houston, Texas. And uh, like a lot of people made a lot of mistakes and a lot of errors, um, learned from those errors. And so same time, I was still an airline pilot, ended up creating a property management company. And we built that company to over a thousand properties, operating in over three cities, uh, 60% of our company was outsourced to virtual assistants. And we're at one time, we were one of the fastest growing property management companies in the state of Texas uh, because of our, our organic growth and our hyper focus on our target marketing. We scaled that up. I eventually sold that company to a venture capital firm that had 10,000 properties. I became a vice president with that firm for a couple of years. And then I started doing a lot bigger investing tools. I started investing in more funds, syndications, things like storage facilities, mobile home parks, apartment complexes. I hate to say it, maybe a little bit more lazy, a little bit more hands-off, a little bit more of using my brain. Uh, and then I started coaching and guiding people into what I did and how I grew my business. And that's kind of where I've evolved now. I kind of do a lot more passive investing on a much larger scale with much larger people. And then I also coach people in their business and real estate models to show them how to inject the airline methodology into what they do. I love this. Well, Steve, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Sure. They can go to my website. It's steverosenberg.com, R-O-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G. Uh, they can follow me on all the social media channels. They want to see all the cool places that I travel to and what I get to do and what I get to see. You can go to Instagram. That's Rosenberg Steve or Facebook. I have a YouTube channel where I put videos out. Uh, and I do, you know, three-day masterminds where I bring in some very high-level, like Brad Lee, Iron Cowboy, some very high-level speakers to speak. Um, but again, it's all about getting to that next level, being prepared for that next engine failure, because what you learn today is not going to be relevant tomorrow. So you've got to keep going. And if you're not growing, you're you're probably dying uh, in, in the business world. And I think that we all owe it to ourselves to keep growing. And I am no different than anyone else. So if you follow me on social media, you'll see my uh, path and what I do as well. Love it. Well, Steve, I love the perspective. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Steve at steverosenberg.com. The link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 